This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Joined by Mary Lucas from Transitions Life Care. Here's your host, Jason Kong. Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk traffic. Good afternoon to you. I am Jason Kong. I have the pleasure, as always, of being here with Mary Lucas and Sam Peterson, both representing Transitions Life Care. You can always find more about Transitions Life Care at transitionslifecare.org. Mary, how are you today? I'm doing well, even though I'm still sad from the Canes loss. It's Mm. over. Yeah, I know. You were telling me a a sad story about uh, them coming back onto the ice afterwards, which uh, I I didn't get to see. Mm. Sam, how are you doing? I'm good. Also, despite the Cane loss, I think my husband's going to be in a bit of a slump for the next few weeks, but he'll get through. He will. He will. Uh, But there's no slumping on Aging Matters today. We're going to power through it. We've got a great show lined up for for you today, and we're going to be talking, starting off about the sandwich generation and we hear so much about this in caregiving and we are very pleased to welcome Carla Payne the owner of Aging Care Matters LLC she's a certified care manager Carla thanks so much for coming on the show today I am thrilled to be here thank you for inviting me I think first Carla if you could tell us a little bit about yourself your background and and what you do absolutely I am a certified geriatric care manager which a lot of folks don't know that there is such thing as care management. Uh, It actually started in the 80s, but I didn't discover this until I myself was a long-distance daughter and trying to find help and and found that there was such thing, and that actually led me to go back to graduate school and get a certificate in gerontology. I already had a master's in counseling, but really wanted to focus on the aging population and how to help families navigate the very complex process of the needs that happen as we're aging and we're all in the same boat Um, in fact that's one of the reasons I want to talk about today's topic we've all heard about the sandwich generation but I kind of renamed it to the double-decker club with a side of chaos (laughs) instead of just mayonnaise it's it's completely uh, different now how things are getting much more complicated Absolutely. Well, maybe for those who don't know, can you talk to us a little bit about the sandwich generation or what you name it, the Double Decker Club? What is the sandwich generation and who are they for those who don't know? Yes. Well, I think um, if we think about adults right now, that I would say primarily between the ages of 35 and 60, that age bracket have parents that are aging and have complex health issues. They may also have adult children, and oftentimes those adult children have their own children. So you have, um, you have adults that are dealing with not just their parents, their children, but sometimes even the cases of their grandchildren and having the, the, the complexities that are layered upon layered. Um, most are, are women, but men as well are, are caught up in that pressure of having to handle jobs, families, uh, their their own parents, their own children, and then oftentimes grandchildren. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I know you touched on just a bit about some of the unique challenges that they face, like juggling jobs, caregiving, their own families, mm-hmm. their own children. Can you talk through some of the key struggles you see when you're working with these populations in some yes. ways maybe that you've worked to address them? Absolutely. And it's, it's really um, the stress level is what's the most concerning for me, and that's really what I – focus on my mission, my purpose, is trying to help families reduce that stress 
and helping to give them some guidance and direction because uh, the stress alone, caregivers who are caring for someone, specifically if there is dementia involved, the caregiver is more likely to have a serious uh, health crisis that would cause them to be incapacitated or even, I, I hate to say it, to even die before mm -hmm. their loved one who has the dementia. So uh, how to help them process all of the, the responsibilities. In fact, you may be working full time, but on average, unpaid care that's given in the home averages about 24 hours a week that we have um, family members who are caring for someone who has dementia or a chronic illness 24 hours a week unpaid in addition to their full-time jobs, their full-time responsibilities as parents of their own children, and it just it's just too much. It's stretched too thin, and to me that's what that layer is, that extra layer after layer after layer. Um, so what I try to do as a professional care manager is, is, I guess, cut that sandwich into parts, break it down to make it a little bit more simple for what they can manage and what they can delegate and what they might have resources that they don't even know that they're eligible for, or taking off some of that pressure of all those phone calls with the insurance companies or trying to find caregivers or if it's time for a move, all those huge decisions that can be overwhelming that you don't know what you don't know, well, that's what we do. We know how to navigate through that system and try to help those families um, get those resources in place. So I did have a couple of tips I wanted just to share with the audience, yes, if I may. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Okay. I want, I want those that are listening, and no matter where you are in your stage of, of life, you are going to be impacted or you're going to know someone around you that's going to have this type of pressure and, and situation. So be proactive. Go ahead now and get those important documents in place. Cannot stress enough the importance of having those legal documents of power of attorney, health power of attorney, and advanced directives. That's a big number one. Everybody should be doing that. And delegate. What can you share responsibility with? When you have a friend and you're in a situation and the friend says, what can I do to help? I love to tell folks, don't wait for them to ask. Go ahead and make that list. Go ahead and write down everything you can think of that would be a help, picking up my laundry, dropping off the kids at the soccer practice, um, getting my, my oil changed, all those little things that are piled on our list. Write them down so that you can start looking at how you can delegate some of those and talk with your employer. There is Family Leave Act. There are opportunities to try to take some personal time to take care of those needs. So talk to your employer and then get those siblings involved. That's where a care manager can also help. Siblings, oftentimes it's one sibling, mm -hmm. one, one adult mm -hmm. child that takes the role. If you can get an outside professional to help navigate that, it's easier for us to say, um, brother, well, I'll use Eric because that's my brother's name. Okay, brother <laughs> Eric, let's let's get let's get some more help here. And, and Mark, um, let's pull together with what mom needs and having a professional help delegate to those siblings. So those are just a couple thoughts. I hope that that folks might take to point and share. Yeah, absolutely. Those are great tips mm -hmm. and some that I've actually used over the last couple of weeks. <laughs> um, do you see the sandwich generation getting younger? I know that um, with my own yeah. friends, I had a conversation just this week where someone was saying, yeah, I took my dad on a, our first vacation since COVID and he was having to point at the seat and say, this is your seat, sit in your seat and, you know, let me hold your hand through the airport mm -hmm. and get your bags. And it, and he just realized 
wow, I'm about to be a caregiver. This is what mm. this is what's shifting. And we were talking about his dad aging, and yeah. um, and he was starting to feel that pressure. He's very early on in that journey. But it, yeah. do you see that sandwich generation getting younger? I, you know, it's interesting that you would say that. Um, there is a a a transfer where we are raised by our parents, and then it really is so parallel to then we become the parent. And and a lot of, especially with dementia, there's so many different causes of dementia. There's so many. That's a whole other topic we can talk about. It's not just one thing. Um, But you are becoming the parent of your parent and having to give direct feedback and and direction and steps of their daily care. I have seen it becoming younger, but I also have seen older parents that might be in their 80s and even close to 90 who have adult children on the spectrum mm-hmm. that they have cared for all of their lives and, and protected in so many ways that they, they now in their 60s, the adult child in their 60s who has some level of, of, it might be on the autism spectrum or some level of disability, that they've not been in the system. And now the aging parent is like, what, what's going to happen when we pass away? Right. So we're getting pulled in more with those type of cases and trying to get adults who are already in their 60s plugged into the resources that are available that most folks, you know, I think it's much more common now, but it wasn't 60 years ago Absolutely. to utilize all those services that are in mm-hmm. place. So we're seeing that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Carla, thank you so much for your time today. If folks want to find more information about you or Aging Care Matters, how can they do that? Absolutely. Thank you. Uh, AgingCareMatters.com, and our number is 919-525-6464. If I could just also share that I'm part of the Aging Life Care Association, so anyone anywhere in the country can find a certified care manager that they can know and trust. We don't take referral fees. So you can find one of us by just going to aginglifecare.org and find an expert. And I just I thank you so much for letting me talk with you all this morning and uh, hope you have a great rest of the day. Yeah, thank you so much for your time as well. Again, she is Carla Payne, owner of Aging Care Matters and a certified care manager as well. We are taking a quick break, but we will be right back after this. You are listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF with your hosts, Mary Lucas and Jason Kong. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas and Sam Peterson, and we're focusing now on a new topic. We're going to be discussing some legal matters. We're going to be talking about trustees and agents and uh, you know attorneys. In fact, all these wonderful terms that fall under the category of fiduciary. You know, on the show, we love to tell people you know it's so important to have legal documents, and you know that's. That's good to say. It is important, but there's a lot of important decisions to make once you get those legal documents set up. And you know, deciding who is going to be playing in some of these roles is extremely important. And to have a thoughtful conversation on this, we are very happy to welcome back friend of the show, Annette Rhodes, attorney with Rhodes Law Firm in Wake Forest. Annette, welcome back. 
Thank you, Jason. I'm really glad to be here and to talk with you and your audiences again. Annette, we're so glad to have you today, and I'm excited to be Aging Matters' very own Elle Woods for the next <laughs> few moments uh, and go to law school today with you. So uh, let's throw out okay. some legal jargon here. Let's talk about fiduciaries, trustees, executors, agents, okay. and attorneys. Let's start with some 101. Can you give us a brief summary of each? Let's start with what's a trustee? Great. So a trustee First, you need a trust. So what's a trust? And then it's easier to understand what a trustee is and what they do. A trust is an entity. Think of it like a corporation. It's separate from the people who created it, who are called grantors or settlers. There's different terms for that. But the person who creates the trust might do it for a lot of different reasons. So there's lots of different reasons to set up a trust. Each trust is very different and very tailored to each person. So you might set up a trust for someone who's disabled, a supplemental needs trust maybe, uh, to meet their needs above and beyond what they receive from other sources. You might set up a trust for yourself. People often refer to those as living trusts. You might set up a trust for beneficiaries after your death. Uh, instead of giving um, you know, someone money outright, you might, might want to put it in a trust and have that money used for their needs rather than giving it to them at once and directly. And we often do that for grandchildren, people who are under 18, um, that kind of thing. So without going into too many details of why you would do that. So trusts are for very different reasons. The trustee is like the CEO, in a way, of a company. They are the ones who are in charge of this trust. Now, their role as a fiduciary is to manage the assets of the trust in accordance with your wishes as a grantor of the trust, so in accordance with the trust agreement that they have signed off on. So they agree that they're going to use the assets in the trust for the benefit of the beneficiaries. And that's part of their fiduciary role. They have to follow the trust agreement. They have to invest the money in a way that's prudent, not too risky, but don't lose money, you know, that kind of, that kind of thing, but make some money. So people have to be careful as a trustee, and that's true for every fiduciary. A trustee is a fiduciary because they have a responsibility to someone else, and they're supposed to put that person's interest ahead of their own. That's what creates a fiduciary. So you, you know, hire people as fiduciaries, bankers, financial advisors, attorneys, CPAs. Those people are supposed to, as professionals, put your interests ahead of their own when they counsel you. A trustee has that same kind of thing. They're not providing counsel, but they're doing work on behalf of the beneficiaries in accordance with the trust. So that's what a trustee does. All the other fiduciaries act in the same way. They put someone else's interest ahead of their own. At least they're supposed to. Wonderful. So what is an executor? We hear this quite often, executor of the will, mm -hmm. or what is an executor? Right, right. So executor is kind of a subset of what's generally called a personal administrator. So that is a person who's charged with handling your probate estate. Probate estate is all the assets that um, according to your will or according to law, if you don't have a will and you die, uh, go through probate. Now in North Carolina, real estate doesn't go through probate, it goes directly to the heirs. They own it at the moment of your death. But your executor or personal administrator is going to handle all the other assets that need to go through probate. 
Um, so their, their commitment is to follow the terms of the will and the law with regard to probate matters. And, and if you ask me, even though it's difficult sometimes for people, depending on the situation, to act as an executor, and, the, and it's kind of a hassle to them, especially if they don't know what they're doing, um, it's maybe one of the easier jobs as a fiduciary mm -hmm. because it's sort of cut and dry. Uh, the executor or the personal administrator's role is to gather the assets that are going to go through probate, figure out the debts that are owed, pay those debts, and distribute the rest to the beneficiaries in accordance with the will. Hmm. Good to know. I've just made a mental note that mm -hmm. that's perhaps the role I would yeah. like to take. <laughs> uh, so let's talk, about, let's talk about our next term. What is an agent? So an agent, the older term that most people are aware of and that people still use is attorney, in fact. And in fact, that's probably a better term because an agent can mean a lot of things. You can have an employee acting as an agent for you in signing a contract. You, know, you can hire people as agents. But for our purposes in estate planning, an agent is an attorney, in fact, and that's the person that you name to handle your assets for you, for your behalf, or those who you choose to include during your lifetime when you can't handle your assets yourself. Hmm. It's an extremely important role because they need to uh, determine what's in your best interest and then they need to apply those funds um, in accordance with that determination. And you can give them lots of guidance in a general power of attorney, you've probably heard that term a lot, mm -hmm. general power of attorney or general durable power of attorney. Uh, that's a document in which you name a person as an agent um, or attorney, in fact, I like that term better, um, and give them the power that you want them to have in order to make these decisions on your behalf. Wonderful. And where does an actual attorney come into play with all of these different fiduciaries? Um, and when should you be speaking Good. with an attorney over, you know, working with your trustee or your executor or your agent? Um, can you talk to us a little bit about that relationship? Absolutely. So an attorney is needed, I think, in order to create the documents. Now, you can create some documents online. You might want to think that you can go to um, an online service and get that done. But if you don't know exactly what you're doing, I think you're going to be, as a matter of fact, I'm sure you're going to be a lot better off just to spend an hour with a good estate planning attorney and make some of those decisions and talk through what you need. Because there's a wide variety of options that you have in all of the estate planning documents, your will, a trust, a general power of attorney, and one we haven't mentioned, which is a healthcare power of attorney. But we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, you've got a lot of options in all of those, and it's really important for you to get good advice so you make good decisions for yourself and for your heirs and other beneficiaries you might choose. So when you're 18 is when you're an adult, and that would be the time to get at least some basic documents in place because there are legal, the law gives you options, so I would say they're like legal options, but the options are not as good as you making your own decisions. It's sort of a one size fits all, and particularly while you're living, 
I think you'd like to have people that you choose make decisions for you in accordance with your wishes that you can express um, while you're healthy and able, Mm -hmm. um, rather than having a court, a judge, appoint someone on your behalf. Now, they'll try to find a family member who can do it, but it might not be the family member that you would choose. And of course, you've given them no instructions, and so they're left to comply with the law. They're overseen by the court, which it can be expensive and time-consuming. And I think it's just a lot better for you to have your own documents and your own wishes expressed and to choose the people that you want to act on your behalf. Saving and you're time save and, them a lot of time and trouble too. Yeah, <laughs> saving time and trouble and money are all things that I think people are, are readily uh, up for. I think that that's something that they like. <laughs> right. Annette, I'm so, sorry right. here we've, we're running out of time. Uh, I do want to let okay. folks know that uh, is, is the best way to find you RhodesLaw.net if folks want to find more information about Rhodes Law Firm. That's right. That's a great way to find us. You can contact us through the website. You can look at our blogs. We've got information there that will help people make some decisions and get some information before they come in to see us, too. Excellent. RhodesLaw.net. She is Annette Rhodes, attorney with Rhodes Law Firm in Wake Forest. And Annette, we thank you again for your time today. Oh, you're so welcome. It's good to talk to you guys again. Thank you. Good to talk to you as well. We're taking a quick break, but we will be back right after this. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5, AM 680, WPTF, News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Joined by Mary Lucas from Transitions Life Care. Here's your host, Jason Kong. Welcome back to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas, and we're now turning to long-term care as we uh, continue. You know, hopefully, we're getting towards the latter stages and the the turning point here in the COVID nineteen pandemic. But uh, life still continues on, and making decisions when it comes to long-term care uh, that hasn't changed. Well, it's, it's changed a little bit, but it's still there. We still have to make those decisions. And to discuss more about this, we are pleased to welcome Wendy Marsden. She's the marketing director with Capital Nursing and Rehab, which is part of Liberty Healthcare. Wendy, thank you so much for joining us today. You're welcome. Thank you so much, Jason and Mary, for having me on the show. It's an absolute honor to be um, part of your show today and to hopefully bring some light to a very challenging and and scary topic um, as we're currently in a pandemic. So I'm hoping to be able to provide some education um, in selecting long-term care facilities, maybe give some advice and some questions to, you know, ask when you're looking um, into exploring long-term care and hopefully be able to also just find shine some light on the day-to-day life of a skilled nursing facility during the pandemic. Definitely. I think that you you, bring, you used a really good word there, light. And I think we're all seeing this light mm-hmm. at the end of the tunnel, and it's not the train. <laughs> um, Absolutely. It, it has Absolutely. been such a tough year for so many people. So I want to start off, how are you guys doing, and how is the facility going? And have you guys started and had any vaccine clinics? Yes, the facility is doing great. Um, you know, it was, it's, you know, from to think that if we, we look back to a year ago, this just started a year ago, and here we are 
know, almost a year later, um, and vaccines have arrived. Um, our facility actually started vaccinating our staff and our residents on December the 28th. We've wow. gone through two complete rounds of vaccinations, and we have a third clinic coming up um, actually next Monday. So we're super excited. Um, our staff have been um, very excited and eager to receive the vaccinations, and, and so as our residents and families have been on board with the vaccination so that we can to return to some normalcy again. So um, we are happy that the time, the time has changed and here we are and we are vaccinated. That's such great news. I, I know that there's been a lot of trouble out in the community making sure vaccines are out there. So that's really good news that everyone at your facility is getting vaccinated. Mm-hmm. What is the world like right now in the skilled nursing setting at your facility and, and kind of the community in general? Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, for skilled nursing facilities, um, we still are under restrictions as far as indoor visitation. Um, we are still um, allowing outdoor visitation at the facility. Um, so we have um, assignments set up where families can come and visit with their loved ones. They typically are done like in one hour increments um, so that they can visit um, with their family member. We do those in one hour increments. So that just gives an opportunity for us to be able to sanitize, you know, the area in between mm-hmm. visitations. Um, there is also opportunities um, in certain situations where families are able to enter a facility. Um, those are It's called a compassionate care visit. Mm-hmm. Um, those are very specific guidelines that a resident must meet to be able to have a compassionate care visit. We had several residents who have qualified for those visits, um, but the majority of our visits are done um, outdoors currently. Um, we're hoping soon to be able to get some updated information from CMS and CDC um, now that the vaccinations have rolled out and we're looking at the majority of skilled nursing facilities being vaccinated, what those new visitation policies are going to look like. So we're hoping soon to be able to hear some information about that. I think you busted a big myth right there in in talking about some of your visitation policies because I think so many Mm -hmm. people in the community are hearing that you can't see your loved one if they're at the hospital or at a facility and that just sounds like that that's not true. There are ways to do it and you're doing it safely. And every day. Absolutely. And it goes above and beyond those outdoor visits as well. So many facilities have um, different forms of communication where they still have the ability to communicate with their loved ones um, and kind of, you know, have that bridge of communication between the facility and the residents. Um, There's some facilities that offer ambassador programs. What an ambassador program is basically a department head or a manager who has been assigned to that resident specifically. They typically call the families on a weekly basis, um, give them updates, kind of be that bridge to the family. Um, They can set schedule those outdoor visits. Um, They can do FaceTime. A lot of facilities have Skype capabilities. They have tablets available that are readily available for residents to use um, via FaceTime, Skype. Um, so, you know, there still are multiple other ways for families to be able to communicate with their loved ones. Um, and those are just some of the examples, you know, across multiple skilled nursing facilities mm-hmm. that they're doing um, beyond just those outdoor visits as well. 
I can imagine that during this pandemic, it's been really difficult with the restrictions that have been in place um, from the state and from CMS uh, at facilities that it's been really difficult to tour if if someone is thinking yes. about going to a facility for long-term care yes. um, or short-term rehab. Is it reasonable mm-hmm. for families to ask for a virtual tour? Or what kind of tour situation are you guys right. doing right now? Right. Absolutely. So th- there's multiple ways for families to be able to to be educated in picking a skilled nursing facility during the pandemic. The biggest advice that I have to anyone that I ever talk um, to is research. Research, research, research is the most important thing that you can do. And there's multiple ways that you can do that. Um, you touch point on um, virtual tours. Most facilities do have websites that are readily available that provide photographs. Um, some provide virtual tours. You'll see video testimonials. Most also typically have a direct link that will get you right um, to the admissions or marketing team at that facility, or you can speak with them via email or phone. Um, Secondly, utilize the Internet. Um, CMS has a great website for families to research. Um, If they go to Medicare Nursing Home Compare, and I can actually give everyone that website address, it's medicare.gov backslash care dash compare. Um, You can look at any skilled nursing facility in the United States of America. You can basically just put in the information that you're looking for. If you're looking for a specific geographic region, you can view that information about that skilled nursing facility build your data so when you do have those conversations with that skilled nursing facility, you have talking points that you can speak with them about. Of course, word of mouth is a huge resource that we have. Um, You know, reaching out to your church, um, your church pastor, a lot of churches have parish nurses that have a lot of expertise in skilled nursing facilities, your friends, your family, you know, relationships that you um, that you can build off from them to be able to give you good information of experiences they've had in the past. Um, Of course, if you're in the hospital, you do have resources. They are readily available to help you as well. Um, You're going to have a hospital nurse uh, case manager or a social worker that can start you off um, with the basics to being able to choose a skilled nursing facility. Um, If you're at home, if you have a home care agency that you're working with or a hospice agency, of course, they're going to have social workers that can assist you also in that starting process. Um, Another great resource is your primary care office. Many primary care offices do have nurse navigators that can help you and kind of get the ball rolling um, in the research for long-term care or skilled nursing facilities as well. And, of course, in Wake County, we are very blessed by having multiple caregiver support agencies. Um, That is a free resource for um, families to be able to call upon as well. So once someone has narrowed down their choices by doing all their Mm -hmm. research and they really like a facility they've chosen, and now I hear the word bed availability. You know, you hear about Mm -hmm. it if you're in the hospital. Mm -hmm. How hard is it to confirm a bed and how often do they turn over? Is it something you can wait for if you really love a facility? I would definitely suggest um, right now during the pandemic, if you find a facility that you're very interested in, I would definitely suggest to move forward as quickly as possible. With the changes with CMS and CDC, 
um, we kind of had to shift it a lot away the policies of how we go about admitting patients to the facility. Um, for example, typically when a patient is being admitted to a facility, whether they're coming from the community or they're coming from the hospital, they do go into a 14-day enhanced precautions um, unit, basically meaning they'll be in a private room for those 14 days. So whereas before typically you would see skilled nursing facilities with the majority of semi-private rooms, um, you're now looking at more private rooms. So we've had to reduce the capacity within skilled nursing facilities to be able to create those isolation units. Um, so if you find a bed, I would definitely suggest to go ahead and try to move forward as quickly as possible because they are limited right now with that reduced capacity. Those are some great tips. She is Wendy Marsden, Marketing Director with Capital Nursing and Rehab, which is part of Liberty Healthcare. If you want to find more about them online, be sure to head over to libertyhealthcareandrehab.com, libertyhealthcareandrehab.com. Wendy, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Mary and Jason. I I do appreciate being able to be part of your show today and hopefully being able to provide some education to your families at this time. Well, we appreciate that. And uh, always anything that can help out our WPTF audience and those who listen to Aging Matters is something that we appreciate as well. We're out of time for today, but we will be back with you next week, next Saturday at 4. Be sure to join us then for Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Have a great weekend. You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. For more information, log on to transitionslifecare.org. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one with Mary Lucas and Jason Kong. If you have questions for the show, you can email agingmatters at transitionslifecare.org. Welcome back to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk traffic. Hey, if you want to find more about Transitions Life Care, you can always go online to transitionslifecare.org, transitionslifecare.org. I am Jason Kong here with Sam Peterson and Mary Lucas. And, you know, we always talk about caregiving and uh, topics of aging, of course, on this show. And Mary, you're going through a caregiving situation, and while it may be challenging, that that leaves us with a situation on this show where we are never short on content because <laughs> you are you are living it, you are going through it. So why don't you uh, why don't you share some experiences that you've been going through in the past couple of weeks? Yeah, you know, I thought about this a lot last week when we had Ken on the show from. Um, right at home. And literally the show stopped and I immediately emailed Ken because I was in the middle of this situation and we're struggling. Um, But it's all about finding the help you need anyway. So uh, about two weeks ago, my my grandfather, who I've spoken about on the show before, his private duty caregiver uh, called us and had to resign pretty uh, immediately due to some uh, personal things that she was going through with her husband um, and his health. And so we just are scrambling. And my dad and his brothers and myself, who 
uh, take care of him in different ways, um, just had no idea where to go next. And I feel so bad. And I know that there's Mm -hmm. so many people in our community that deal with something similar or don't have a private care duty caregiver in place. And I now feel what they were going through. Mm -hmm. You know, I immediately took my lunch break from work and went over there and was like, oh, no, we've got to get food in his fridge. We've got to do all we need to make sure his prescriptions are in place. Oh, no. Well, you got to who's going to give him a bath? Who's going to do this? And and it was just overwhelming. Um, The last two weeks have been overwhelming. And I feel for everyone out there, the community that's going through this. But I wanted to talk through some things uh, that we've done over the last two weeks to get us um, to where we're kind of seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. Ken immediately stepped in and helped us, and his team is putting in um, a, a new uh, nurse that will take care of him. Um, but because of nursing, and I know, Sam, you mm. you know the struggle know right the struggle. now. struggle, <laughs> yeah. In case no one's heard, there's a worldwide uh, nursing shortage. So yeah. it's been very difficult to find um, get staff in in a timely manner, too. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I can only imagine. As soon as you say emergency with nurses, it's like, okay, well, we have something. It's like two weeks out. Yeah. Um, but thankfully, Ken's been helpful in getting that situ- situation kind of sorted. But without... Um, some of the other things that we've been doing over the last couple of weeks to keep us sane. I don't, I just don't know how people do this. Mm-hmm. I really don't. I'm, you know, it's taken my lunch breaks almost every day for the last two weeks. It's, it's been a lot. So um, I wanted to share some of the tips. I was talking to my dad last night when we were kind of evaluating our last two weeks. And I wanted to share some things that we've been doing to make sure that um, we have everything in place. The first and one of the most important that I've found is telehealth. You know, we all mm-hmm. have been complaining post-COVID about telehealth and how, um, you know, people are confused, and especially this generation. Um, my grandfather's 90, 95, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, 95-year-old telling him to use FaceTime is yes. like... <laughs> what? <laughs> Quite the challenge. Mute? You're on mute. Um, so that's been a lot of fun, but it's helped us keep him at home. And then that's one less thing for us to do, running him to appointments. Yeah, and I can imagine just not having to deal with the transportation is a lot less taxing for him, too. Yeah, and it's here to stay. And But I think we can use it and caregivers can use it towards their benefit. And not just his own health, but my telehealth. You know, I have I, there. I think self-care is super important. It's it's incredibly important to me. And I think that's a tip further down the line. But um, I use it for my own telehealth. I, I do teletherapy. And there was a lot to talk about over the last two weeks with my <laughs> teletherapist. Um, and it was great not to be able to not to have to go in the office and be mm-hmm. able to talk to her via FaceTime from my house um, yeah. when I had been running around all day. It's a huge time saver, too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Mary, you had mentioned kind of to me on your tips, too, about uh, one of my favorite uh, apps are Grubhub, Uber Eats, some of yeah. our food delivery services. Oh, I'll take yeah. a moment too to plug my all-time favorite. I should honestly be getting a cut from them. <laughs> Instacart. Oh yes, is amazing. Um, another great way to help out in your caregiving. You know, getting those meals delivered. It's and especially Instacart too. You know, you can order those groceries, have them delivered right to their house. Mm-hmm. Uh, just such an amazing time saver and a great way to help out too. Um, and I know for me. Personally, I live in a little bit more of a rural area, but one of the good things, if you could say, to come out of the pandemic is there's been a lot broader range of things that have opened up for delivery. I'm finally in a delivery zone now. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would 
totally suggest to people to check out apps like Grubhub, DoorDash, Uber Eats, Instacart, definitely for getting groceries and and meals delivered to people. Absolutely. I think something that's also been really important with my dad and our family and figuring this out is rotating shifts. Mm. Um, And I know that this has been talked about on the show and how you manage family um, and without the rotating shifts of I'm taking this lunch, dad will take tomorrow, uncle will take this Mm -hmm. time. And then communicating that with each other and making sure everyone knows who's doing what when they go. So I went to the grocery store. I got him this. I've cut up fruit. It's in his fridge so he doesn't have to worry about it. Um, Dad's taking dinner and we'll package lunch for the next day. And then uncle's coming and he's going to take him dinner for that day and work on, you know, cleaning up the kitchen or who's doing the laundry. Mm -hmm. And communicating that and even having a checklist. We just started a checklist thing um, where my dad has all the chores and all the things that we have get the mail and do the laundry and empty this. And yeah. And whoever's there, you have a, you need to go through and check and make sure that you've done whatever you need to do. So the next person can do what they need to do. And I think that communication and keeping that open is so important. Mm -hmm. So everyone knows, and there's nothing being missed because we've missed some things the last couple of weeks mm-hmm. and grandpa thinks he's independent. I know we talked about this, the pre- pretzel gate last yes, week, pretzel gate. <laughs> uh, but when he, he doesn't want to admit that something has been missed or he thinks he can do it on his own. And that's a challenge. Mm. It's a big challenge. Well, that's really impressive uh, what you guys have been able to pull off because uh, I'm just thinking about the amount of work that goes into the communication yeah. between yeah. you and your family, you know, that's that's almost uh, probably a lunch break in and of itself to yes. make sure, okay, you know, was the food put in the fridge? You know, where where do we stand on things? And having to debrief. And I know I'm I'm a forgetful forgetful person, so I can only imagine <laughs> that you know Mary would show up the next day and be like, hey, you, you bum, you forgot to <laughs> change the towels. You know, it's like, oh yeah, I was supposed to do that, wasn't I? And then that's suddenly another thing for you to do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I I think, and we couldn't do this without the team. I think the team approach like Mm -hmm. that, and like you said, is so important. And um, we have palliative care in place. So we have, we know we have a healthcare backup Mm -hmm. and someone that's checking on him constantly and making sure that he can stay at home. Um, We would, if if time was right, we would absolutely call in hospice Mm -hmm. if um, we're not quite there yet. But palliative care is really helping us. Home health, he's been on home health before. He Mm -hmm. just, he has discharged, but that's been helpful. Then home care, which we're very excited to get in place to help us with. But there's also things that people don't know that you can reach out to for support. I was just having this conversation actually with a social worker um, yesterday. We were just talking about uh, how there's a lot of resources out there families don't know about. Mm -hmm. um, And uh, like daycare services. Mm -hmm. I know in Johnston County community in um, senior services of Johnston County, uh, a lot of state programs Mm -hmm. offer adult um, care services, daycare Mm -hmm. services. Um, There's also daycare programs people can go to as well. Um, Transportation services. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm sure y'all have seen the J-Cats bus. They go everywhere. They may be in Johnson (laughs) County, but they take people all the way up to Chapel Hill. Um, So there's a lot of those services that people don't know about. Um, I always recommend checking through the state, your um, local center on aging. We did Mm -hmm. that for my grandmother in Maryland, and there were a lot of resources um, through that avenue for her too. Mm -hmm. And you know, I was just talking to our team yesterday um, about our volunteers. And if you're on Transitions Life Care, then you have this opportunity to have volunteers Mm -hmm. come in for a variety of different things that people just don't know about. You have to ask for it, but if you don't know about it, then 
how would you ask for it? But there are volunteers um, when you're on our services that can come in and help with anything from just sitting so that you can take a break as a caregiver and do errands. And they mm-hmm. can sit with your loved one and talk and be with them um, and provide that uh, extra emotional support. And, and being there is just a, a person in the room. Um, but they, our volunteer services offer plenty of um, extra support as well. And maybe we should do an episode on that. Yeah, then. I think we should. Yeah. Definitely. Good idea. Yeah. Uh, one other thing I think that's so important, too, is connecting with other caregivers. Mm-hmm. I know, Mary, you and I are both part of a really great Facebook group. Oh, um, yeah. And I love jumping in there. People can go on and post questions about caregiving needs. Um, you know, how do I find this? I have this is the issue I'm facing with my mom or dad or whomever. Um, and a lot of people can go on and answer questions either just from personal experience or there's a lot of professionals mm-hmm. in the groups too. So I would definitely recommend, you know, if you use Facebook, uh, go on and try to find some local caregiving uh, groups that you could join. There's mm-hmm. some awesome resources on there. Um, I, you know, I love going through it and replying and trying to help people out get resources. Absolutely. And last but not least, self-care. But most important. <laughs> yes, most important, self-care. Sleep, eat healthy, exercise, get out and walk the dogs. For me, it's been the Hurricanes games, go Canes. <laughs> <laughs> Take care of yourself. And I think that that's been the most important thing to remind me. And every day is... I just need to recenter sometimes and, and think about, um, you know, and while this has been the, a very hard two weeks, it's been the most rewarding two weeks because I wouldn't trade this time with him for anything. Yeah. Well, that's very well said. And, you know, I, I appreciate you sharing that here on the show. And, you know, for those listening at home, this isn't just stuff that we talk about. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's real life and it's experiences that uh, Mary is certainly going through right now. So we hope that that uh, provided some tips for those who may be going through a similar situation, or if maybe you see a situation like that uh, up uh, down the road very shortly, then hopefully that was of some help to you. Don't forget transitionslifecare.org if you want to find some more information there, transitionslifecare.org. We're taking a quick break, but we'll be back with more. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. <laughs> 